Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jo Wilson, and this is the show for women who struggle to accept their worth, but want to embrace their gifts and share their witness for Jesus. We have a great show today, and it is actually part two of my interview with Alicia Johnson. Alicia is the CEO at Terza Ministries, and she's also the co-founder of Terza Place, which is a home for teenage mothers. I talk with Alicia about embracing God's love and calling against all odds. Alicia initially in part one had told us a bit about her family and her backstory in that what really guided her to become a the CEO at Terza um, and also how Jesus and how her faith was really kind of tested um, through the different church that she was a part of in growing up and the church that she was a part of later in her life. So this is part two where Alicia goes a little bit more into detail about how she has carried out her God-given calling and also provides some uh, resources and some tips on how you can too. So have a listen. This is part two with my interview with Alicia Johnson. So what, so you were going to school while you're going to school. Is that whenever you first, um, started up the, the tourism ministries? Is that how you got connected with some people that started that? How did that happen? Well, that, um, is a starting point of while I was there, I actually, God completely orchestrates my life. People are like, you have to apply for jobs. And I have applied for jobs before, but it really is like God just drops things in my lap. So I had planned all of this where all the professors are like, you're crazy. You're graduating early. You're going to move to Kentucky in the middle of the winter. You're not even sure you're accepted to this college. And you're also like just going to go live there. You're taking all your stuff down with you for Christmas. And I was like, yep, going through. I love it. I love it. Um, that blind obedience is the best. <laughs> it really is because you don't know what's on the other side of it. For and sure. It can only be good because you have no clue at this point. Um, <laughs> We moved me down there. I ended up getting accepted, found a place right away. And the day before I moved in, it was Christmas, actually. I was looking at jobs, trying to find somewhere, and this place showed up. And I had these rules, which you can't make rules with God, but (laughs) I always try. Um, (laughs) And... It was, I would never work in a residential home and I did not think I was strong enough to deal with teenagers. And while I was there searching, God is like, apply for this job. And it just kept popping up on all these sites. It's seriously Christmas day and I'm applying and they are looking for a third shift worker that's 23 years old and I'm 21, not 23. And They want you to work all night in a residential home for teen moms, Mm. actually. And I was like, that aligns with my passion, but this violates all the rules. And I'm too young. (laughs) There's no way. This is just not going to happen. And I applied. And I applied for the day job that you could be 21. And I sent it in. And it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And the husband of the man who 
well, the man who runs it with his wife, he messages me. It's 2 a.m. And he's like, hey, I got your thing. Would you maybe like to try out for the third shift position for 2030? We don't care about your age. Especially because he knows you're up at two. You're like, you're, he's like, you're already up. You might as well do that shit. That is funny. And I was like, okay, well, I think this is going to be it. And it's just like, there was no stopping at that point. And I worked there for two and a half years and it was the greatest experience ever. I found out later that the year, I think it was a month and a year before I was born was actually when they opened right down the road from where my family's from. Wow. That is so neat. (laughs) It was really powerful when I realized that. And I just like, I see God's hand in their ministry. Even now they're really flourishing and they're growing and it's just their heart to minister to people is so genuine and it's a husband and wife and their story is amazing. I'm not going to spend an hour on their story, (laughs) but I could because you got to come back. That's all that that means. Um, yes, for sure. Cause they're just incredible people and they just inspired me and his involvement. I tell people that is don't discredit a man's involvement mm-hmm. in women's ministry in the right way, because he told me that I was strong enough to do that job. Mm-hmm. It, she could have told me, but in all honesty, she's actually more the tough one because you got to be that way with these girls. And he's just this gentle father figure. And he Aww. was like, you're young, you're quiet, but you know what? I think we are going to feed you to the wolves and leave you and you've got this and I will be there. And he was seriously there. He's like, it's 2 a.m. and you need to call me. You can do it. There was a tornado once in the middle of the night and I'm alone with all these girls. I picked up the phone and called him just because I wanted someone to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a teenager. Yeah. And he just, he was a person who was really there for me. Um, and believed in me and she did as well but there was a lot of power in him being that first person I interacted with um that's great I left for Wisconsin it's like they I kept in touch with them I still do and that's what inspired me with the home for teen moms is the first job I got here which was actually me moving back to where my family lives now in Milwaukee And the first job I got was someone I connected with years ago. I wasn't for sure accepted to the job, didn't have a place to live, had a place picked out, moved back to Wisconsin (laughs) to do all over again. And um, God knew the details because the first client I got here in Wisconsin was 11. Mm. And that to me was just like, I couldn't even imagine because I was doing home visitation and there was nowhere for her to stay at all. And we would call foster care. And, you know, I think there were probably 20 calls for this girl who's 11 and pregnant to the foster care system. And no one ever took us seriously. Teachers called. We did. She left her parents' home. Because her mom said, if you can't take care of your younger siblings, I don't want you here. And she was like, well, I'm not the parent of my younger siblings. Mm. And so her mom was just like, you're out. And she was staying with her grandma. She wasn't going to school. I had someone try to traffic her and she called me because I was the person she was closest to, which she only saw me every week, once a week. 
Mm. And I would pick her up and take her in my car. And we did our best to make sure everything was legal since she's 11 and I'm driving her around. And it's just like, this is horrible. And why is there no resources like this in this community? Why is there no one doing anything about these teenage girls? And I saw that and I saw um, the home back in Kentucky. And I'm like, there's a solution. I know there is. So (laughs) I might be at this point 23, but (laughs) (laughs) um, why not try to start a home at that point? And um, we're, they're still doing fundraising and stuff because it was um, me and another girl and it's really expensive to run those homes. And so it's still the fundraising stage, but it's been so much prayer of, I know there's a need, so I know God will do it and he'll make it all happen at the right time. But I just, I see God's hand in bringing me through my family story Mm. and into Kentucky and even into that home there to walk back into Wisconsin and say, wait a minute, there's a huge need here for teenage parents, which I happen to be the daughter of and have spent these years working with this home. And it's, it's just mind boggling how God does that because he knows your story. Yeah. And you can't make that up. That's when you know it's God because I can't take credit for any of that because I don't get to take credit for who I was born to, (laughs) where I was from. So there's never a point in my life where I can be like, well, I did that. (laughs) It's so clear. I did not do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's definitely woven such a passion and, and, and woven you interwoven you in so many different situations to really grow your experience, you know, put you, I, I mean, the best way to, to have you get experience to know how to do this beautiful ministry that you do now is to thrust you into situations where you have to do it, you know, and I'm just so grateful for people like you running these ministries and these, in these, um, homes and outreach and providing these resources for people like this 11 year old girl, because, you know, that's an easy situation for people to turn their head to, because you always think, or a lot of people think somebody else will do it. It will, it will be somebody else. But in this, God knows your heart and knows no, Alicia is going to be the one to do it. I know it. I know she's going to be the one to do it. So I'm go- I'm so grateful that to you for for being that person for her. Even seeing her once a week, she trusted you enough to to confide in you and to see you and she's obviously really wanting help and coming to, you know, cuz it takes a lot to even ask for help period, but then to come consistently and and it just Oh man, it just is so heartbreaking for somebody to be in a spot like that, especially a child. Um, so I just love that what you're doing. I think it's just amazing. I do. I think that it's just fantastic. And it really set you up. What was the place? Cause I want to put the link in the show notes to the, um, to your first job. What was the, what is their ministry? It's called all God's children. Okay. I definitely, I will put a, a link to them in the show notes. So if anybody has, you know, wants to reach out or, or wants, and then of course to, to your um, ministry as well, for sure. So we're almost at time. We have a little bit left. Is there, so 
on this journey that you've been through, like you said, you've seen a lot of grace. You thought about um, how God said, you know, or how, how Joseph said or in Genesis about, you know, all this you meant for evil, but God meant for good. Um, was there a verse that really stood out to you while you're trying to kind of find your way and going in and out of all these situations, especially, you know, with your grandmother and your parents, was there a verse that, that really stuck out to you that you always remembered? The verse for me was Esther 414, which I see as a double-edged sword. It can be both bad and good (laughs) for my own life, depending on the season. Um, It's for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that verse to me is like, how could I be silent about what God's done? And yes, there were terrible things that happened in childhood while I talk of the positives of what I enjoyed growing up in a really traumatic community, there was also a lot of negatives and there was also a lot of challenges with all of us being a really young family Mm. and walking through grief with my grandmother and all these different challenges we've walked through together. But how could I be silent about that when there's really a whole generation who needs to see that? And it became so clear to me with the whole Dobbs ruling. God strategically placed me in this job, working in the streets, canvassing, knocking on doors, telling people about the pro-life movement when that law was overturned. Mm. And for me, that was so powerful to be in the streets with these people who have lobbied for years And to know that God knew the timing for this home for teen moms, even because before this season, people wouldn't have been as aware of this issue. Now, because of the ruling, people are abundantly aware there's a need. And I truly believe it stops this need for abortion does with empowering teenagers Mm -hmm. saying this is your first pregnancy. You can plan the next one because Most of the women I worked with that were older, their first pregnancy was as a teenager. Mm. And it might not be opening a hundred centers or homes even, but simply sharing my family's story too, to say, you can do it. You can be the ones that change that pattern. You can be the ones that start something new and you grow together. There's no condemnation over my grandmother's story. We all love her and value her, and she's been such an amazing person in my life. My mom has grown, and my mom actually has a degree as a medical assistant now. My dad has a degree as a maintenance technician. My sister has an early childhood degree, so we actually all have college degrees now. Wow, that's amazing. As a still fairly young family. Yeah. It's like you can change those patterns and don't let one thing define you. And don't let having a child stop you from becoming who you're supposed to be. It's an addition. It's a blessing. It's not something holding you back from forever. Oh, that's so powerful, Alicia. Thank you so much for what you do and just saying that. And I think I think women really need to hear that, um, especially young women, women who have made mistakes in the past, whether it be abortions or just other mistakes. I think that they really 
need to hear that, especially from someone who is a Christian person who is just sharing God's love and grace like you are through these, this home and these ministries and, uh, and just like, you know, you, your parents, your whole family, really. Um, I just think that that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, my next question to you was going to be, do you have one takeaway? So if there is a young person finds herself pregnant listening to this today, or even a woman who maybe has been like your grandma, um, had gone through an abortion or is really struggling. Do you have a takeaway that you would want to share with her to encourage her? I wish that someone had told my parents back in the day about pregnancy centers. What people don't know is there are actually over a thousand in the nation and they outnumber Planned Parenthood significantly. And I have worked with them for years now and they are the most amazing places. And I would say go to one. If you've had an abortion, they actually have programs for that. They have healing retreats. If you're pregnant, you don't even have to have an unplanned pregnancy. You can just be a pregnant woman and you can even bring your husband and get a free ultrasound. And I um, sound a little bit like a marketing advertisement, no. but I wish people understood like the love that's in those buildings. I have never been to a pregnancy center where they said we are here to make money or we are here for a cause. I have met um, seriously hundreds of women that work with pregnancy centers and every one of them say, I just want to love and support another woman in her story. And these women, I have watched them help women move furniture to get into new homes. Mm. I've watched them sit in labor and delivery rooms. Like they are there for you and they're there because they love Jesus and they don't show condemnation and they're free. They don't charge you anything they get nothing out of it. It's simply because they're there to love you. So call one. There is one in your community. It's just not very well advertised because they're not great at marketing. But <laughs> I just they're too busy wish loving. People knew that. That's why we got to. Well, yes, I'll put are. some links in the show notes for <laughs> for resources for sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alicia. That is wonderful, and I love hearing your experience with that because I feel like there probably is a lot of fear and just because there's fear with the unknown. So, you know, if you don't know that these places exist, you don't even know to reach out and to ask, but especially for kids, you know, younger teenagers going through this, they don't know. They, they just don't know what they don't know sometimes, all of us really. Um, so that's, that's wonderful. I'll put links in the show notes, um, like I said, to that as well. And of course, to your beautiful Bible verse too. So is there any final encouragement that you would like to to give or any final kind of um, acknowledgements or anything like that that you want to share before we, before we end today? Um, I feel like I talked a lot about my journey from the church through the hard things I've been through. I um, actually prefer not to name the church I'm at right now because I enjoy the anonymity a little bit, okay. um, but I just do want to acknowledge that I have an amazing church now that's really supported me and is way larger and I keep getting put on stages there. But um, <laughs> I just have to say like, that's a testimony of God's love of a pastor who was humble 
and I've been told um, awkward, actually, and I'm sorry to him in advance for that, <laughs> but um, those qualities in him were what made him the perfect person for me to have as a pastor after everything I'd been through. And that really shaped a new journey for me to feel comfortable and safe in a church again. So there is a right church for you and there's a right community um, of God for you. You just have to find what is best in your story and your journey now. And I'm super grateful for the many pastors I have now and women in ministry who just empowered me. So don't let one bad experience keep you from the good ones. Oh, that's great. That is so encouraging for sure, because I feel like that happens, you know, especially when you put your trust into uh, a church and you find out you just have a different perspective later. Um, and sometimes it can really turn you from the church and God, from God really altogether. So I love that you said that and that you're a testimony of that. I appreciate it so much. Uh, I appreciate you being here, Alicia. Um, I did want to also mention, and um, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes too, that Alicia has a book uh, called Becoming a 20-Day Devotional. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book before we go today? So I think you heard most of the book today on the podcast. <laughs> you talked about most of it. That's good. They'll want to get it. <laughs> um, but um, it's using those things to guide young adult women because while people have heard a lot of my family's story, my story has been more learning not to be a perfectionist and really finding God's love and putting my identity solely in him. And so it's a 20-day devotional for young adult women to help them find God's love and what he has called them uniquely to do and just using stories from my journey to help them on that. That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Alicia, for being here today. I appreciate your testimony and I just appreciate your wonderful, beautiful story and the, and the mission and the ministry that you are doing. So thank you so very much. Um, I just am so grateful to you and your whole family for everything you've done. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on here and super fun. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find links to what we discussed in the blog post version of this episode at eyewitnesspodcast.com. And our show is brought to you today by the Wilson Shop on Etsy. Beautiful designs and encouraging words can change the world. If you're looking for positive messaging on your favorite apparel, journals, and home decor, visit thewilsonshop.com. If this episode encouraged you, please consider sending it to one friend you think would benefit from what we've discussed. I'm so grateful for this time with you and thank you for listening.